<clears throat> I thought I'd talk about um, how to fear and serve the Lord only. Amen. Fear and serve the Lord only. Uh, because people, uh, I can see where there's a lot of confusion uh, in the world today uh, among people about what's going on, what they're doing, what your role is. I don't care who's in office and what party they're from. We must serve the Lord. And you can't get the two blurred and confused. You can't get caught up in politics and consider it to be spiritual. You know, what's from the world is worldly. There's no spiritual thing there whatsoever. But God works in situations. He uses people. And then he raises up people that he can use. But I don't care what goes on. The church has to serve God. We have to be able to to sift through these things and discern and ask God for wisdom. And what he's doing, what he's speaking, what he wants the church to do so that we can stay on track and stay where God wants us to be. Because we are the ones that he depends on to get his work done here. Politicians cannot do God's work. Now, they can do his will and they can obey him. But the church is called to do the work of the ministry. And so we have to, as believers, walk that kind of thin line where we know where uh, the the spiritual aspect is and we know where the secular aspect is. And one of the things that happens with uh, church people is they're just like the nation of Israel. They want to be like the world. And we have to watch ourselves in that respect. So we're going to go back and talk a little bit about some of the decisions that have been made with God's people and what the influence was in that time. But no matter who is is over us in a secular sense, we must always serve God. You You have to make sure that you understand what God's doing. God ruled over Israel, but they wanted to be like the heathens and have a king. And that's what they began to demand from God. You know, God's God's plan was that man, he would rule over man. He wanted to have relationship with us. He doesn't necessarily want the middleman aspect of it, of governing his people. When you think about it, God is the only person who can manage the finances of his kingdom out of 10% from everybody. Now, that's a pretty good budget. And you think about what do you think your government gets from you? You all see your paychecks, and you see the more you make, the more they take. So, and, and, uh, you know, the average person is at least at 30 or 35%. If you're in the million uh, million income bracket, you're at 90%. But God manages all of his business through just 10% from everybody that's in his kingdom. And so you won't find a better manager of things than God is. He just needs people who will obey him and serve him. You know, if we'd all obey and serve God, you know, we could do a whole lot more and get a whole lot more accomplished. I remember when Lester Summerall was, um, I think he had just turned 80, and God told him he wanted him to start a ministry of feeding the poor worldwide. He got one of those huge, you've seen those Hercules uh, 
the one of the military aircraft, the one that you can drive all the cars up in and a bunch of people up in there and take them. He, God told him to get one of those and begin to collect food. He said, my children are going to bed hungry and they're crying out to me for bread. And Brother Summerall said, well, God, do you know how old I am? <laughs> and he, God said, yeah, you're just about old enough where I can, can trust you now. And he did confess to Brother Summerall. He said, I have given this job to younger men, but they take the money. Got it? Being like the world. Man, when you steal, that's like the world. And so God has to raise up faithful people. If God can find faithful people who will serve him, he can get his work done. And that's what we want to commit to. We want to be faithful people who serve God only. So in First Samuel 12, <clears throat> if you'll turn there and I'll read you the scripture in verses... Eh, This was after they chosen a king. I started there. I'm not sure why I started there, but I'll just read it anyway because I have to go backwards in the story somewhat. It says, uh, verse 12, And when they saw that Nahash, the king of the children of the Amorites, Ammon, came against you, you said unto me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. So God is always our king. He is always our leader. But we want other middlemen in there. When you want somebody so bad, you'll push God out of the way to put them in there. You're already in trouble. Amen. And so God was already your king, Samuel said. Now, therefore, behold the king whom you've chosen and whom you have desired. And behold, the Lord has set a king over you. But he says this, if you will fear, even though you want these other rulers over you, even though you've gone against God's will, he said, if you will still fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both you also and the king that reigns over you continue following the Lord your God. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. So God is saying that even though people make bad choices in government, in, in, in people that they elect to public office or whatever is going on, he says, if you will still serve God anyway, you got me? If you will still turn your heart to God, God will bless you just like he would if if you had not chosen the wrong person to govern over you. That's what he's saying. People can can you can extend this this thinking to lots of situations. There are people that that marry the wrong person or whatever that means, you know, or or get upset when they find out that the person isn't what they thought they were or, or they're disappointed in them. God will still, if you will obey God and serve him, you will still have a blessed life. All he wants us to do is serve him anyway. And so there are choices that we make sometimes that are not good choices that that we know from the outset or we know from the fruit that comes forth that we've made a mistake. 
But God will still bless us. He will still help us. He will still prosper us if we will turn our hearts back toward him and serve him only. You got it? So the bottom line is no matter what happens in the natural, you can't take your focus off what God is doing. You can't take your focus off what God has called you to do. You can't take your focus off what God has told you to do. If he's told you to get up and and go and pass out tracts or go and witness to people or get up and go to the supermarket, I'm going to bring people by you that that need prayer or whatever, uh, then go do that. You got me? Uh, don't, don't say, well, I don't have time. You know, I got all these kids and they run me raggedy and all this, you know. You got me? You got to get up and serve God anyhow. And so God is depending on us. And no matter what happens in the natural and the secular, if we will fear the Lord and serve him only, then we will will have that that blessed life. We'll have the things that we desire. And even if, if leaders are not what they're supposed to be, God will deal with that and he will help you if you will obey and serve him only. So in 1 Samuel 7, and if you'll turn there, we'll go kind of to the beginning of this story as to how the children of Israel came to this point. Up until this point, <clears throat> if you remember the story about uh, Samuel, his he was born uh, because God had shut up his mother's womb. God was getting ready to do something different. And sometimes God will reserve certain people to do certain things for him until an appointed time. Uh, Christians, we have to be careful just wanting stuff and jumping up and going getting it or wanting stuff and, and not really pray it through and ask God if there is something that he has in mind that he wants to do with us in this situation. You understand what I'm saying? And so, uh, Hannah was Samuel's mother and she was, she had been barren for so long. Her husband had, had, uh, had another wife and started having children with her. And Hannah had a, a very difficult time. She was very depressed about it. And she finally went to, uh, Eli the priest and, and made an offering, made her complaint before God. Uh, and, and she was such in deep travail in praying her prayer out to God that Eli thought she was drunk. Uh, she was caught up by the spirit of travail in, in dealing with the anguish in her soul. And, and so she promised God that if, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And sometimes that's God, all God wants is somebody who's going to partner with him in the things he wants to do. Sometimes you need to tell God, you know what, God, I want this, but I don't want this more than you. I desire this, but I don't want it to take your place. I desire things uh, that that you I see in your word that you want to freely give me, but I want them in the right order, in the right place in my life, the right time in my life. And if you will will deal with God and allow Him to have full reign over these situations, then God will bring a miracle out of it. He will get glory. He get what he wants, but also you will be blessed as well. And so Hannah, when, when Eli, uh, when uh, Samuel was weaned, Hannah brought him back to Eli the priest and he was trained 
under this man of God. And so uh, Samuel became a prophet at a very early age because he was exposed to the things of God. That's all God wants is somebody, this one person out of all those children in Israel, God just needed one. Is that too much to ask? He just wants one person that will obey him. And when he can find one person who will obey him, he can turn a nation around. He can turn a generation around. He can do miracles, but he's got to have that one individual. And so that one was Samuel. Samuel began to grow up. He began to, uh, he did many, many uh, things to establish the priesthood and the prophet's office in Israel. He started the first school of the prophets, which we have one. We are the ministry of the watchman is a school of the prophets. People would ask me, what does that mean? And I said, well, I couldn't tell you. I mean, you know what I'm saying that people, people, number one, they didn't believe prophets were necessary. Don't, don't know who you are. They want to challenge everything you say. And so sometimes it's not worth your time arguing with people, you know, answering some questions because you just sense an argument coming. But a school, I, I tell people, I said, it's better experience. I can, I can let you experience it better and I can tell you about it. You know, or what's a watchman? Are you a Jehovah's Witness? No. Do you read your Bible? Huh? If you read your Bible, you'd know what a watchman is. And so you don't answer religious, crazy religious people's questions. You know what I'm saying? I, I said, now nah, I know this devil. I read about you in the Bible. You them same devils that sat on the front row when Jesus preached and, and wanted to poke questions at him all day long. I know. I'm not talking to you. So, uh, but you know, learn how to, to keep yourself out of strife with people. So, but anyway, uh, Samuel then began to grow up under Eli. Y'all know Eli was, was a very lazy parent. He didn't teach his boys respect for God. And one day God just, just took the, the, uh, um, uh, leadership in Israel away from him and his sons. They all died in one day. And so Samuel represents the glory of God returning to the nation of Israel. Remember when Eli and all of his sons died, one of the Eli's sons' wives had a baby. It was uh, stillborn, and she called him Ichabod. The glory has departed, remember? And so Samuel represented the glory of God coming back to Israel. And so under his leadership, Israel had the perfect situation that God wanted them to have as far as their government is concerned. But it didn't last long. Because the first thing Israel did was start looking at their heathen neighbors next door to them and started wanting what they had. And so that's why they started asking for a king. Now, you'll see this all the time in the church. One of the biggest challenges leaders in the church have is keeping God's order in the house of God. People get ideas from all kinds of secular places and all kinds of weird things they want to start bringing into the church. You know, they're doing this uh, here and they're doing this there. We should be doing that and all this kind of thing. And so our biggest challenge is to keep the holy things holy for God's people, to keep the dedicated things dedicated to God, to teach people the difference between the holy and the profane, uh, what's what's a proper dress 
in the house of God versus improper dress. What gives God glory? What doesn't give him glory? You got me? And so it, it sometimes, and it can be a real struggle. I can remember when I was a kid and we went to church, you didn't dare talk back to anybody who was older than you are. And you didn't challenge anybody. You didn't put your feet up on the dirty shoes, up on the furniture and all this kind of stuff. You treated that house with respect. But but you see any more people want to come in, do what they want to do, cuss the preacher out. If if they make any kind of rule, if you set down any kind of rule, I always tell people who would come to our meetings, I say, well, we don't have a written dress code. And they kind of look at you funny. I want to say other than what's in the Bible, you know, you I don't need to write down what you're supposed to wear to church and what you should. You should know that you got the Holy Spirit living. You should know how to dress in God's house. But I will take you, if you come in here wrong, I will take you aside and, you know, tell, correct you about it. You understand what I'm saying? We went through a rash of everybody want to wear these jeans with the, with holes in them. I want to say, now wait a minute. We used to throw stuff out like that and you done went and bought it like that? So if I saw women coming in there with them, I told them, I said, now listen, your skin is showing. I said, we can't, that's your fat. Did you realize that when you left out the house, your meat is hanging out of your pants? And we're not going to have that. We got we got husbands here. We got sons here. We want to respect them. Well, I don't want them to have to be sitting up looking at you and then looking away and looking. That's too much stress for church. So you go change. Don't wear that back in here no more. I had one of them got smart when put tights under them. I said, now we got a devil on the run here. In other words, I ain't doing what you say. I said, she probably said everything but the words she wanted to call me. You understand me? You might have to be some names to teach God's people right from wrong. Now that's wrong. What are we going to have next? Midriff hanging out? so this is our job as believers folks to keep to keep the world out of the church because people hear world stuff all day long sitting up under that stupid news looking at the same thing over and over again getting indoctrinated huh getting your mind messed up huh people tell some of the biggest lies on television they don't even care if it's not true you, you understand what I'm saying? And so we're influenced by that all the time. And we're being trained in new age religion every single time you turn that television on. There's something there of a religious nature. Why is that? Because people are really hungry for God. But they've taken God out of everything. You, you can't even ma- mention the name of Jesus anywhere. Or talk about your Christianity without somebody correcting you. Um, separation of church and state. I said, you don't even know what that means. You don't even know what the Constitution says. But they're going to tell you that much. It's like people quote one passage of scripture out of the Bible. Because that's all they ever read. That's what they've been told and indoctrinated into. Come on, y'all. We live in an information age, not a wisdom age. There's a lot of information, but very little wisdom. Wisdom comes from God, folks. 
You start locking God out of everything. You start, you know, the only place you will find mention of God is on Christian television programs. And sometimes you can't even get much God on there. Huh? They selling everything, selling vitamins, selling this, selling prosperity, selling books, selling tapes, selling everything. I mean, where are the people who, you know, just, just when you turn on there, you can get a message that'll stop you from shooting your brains out. You understand? <laughs> we used to have a lot of that on Christian television. You don't have much of that anymore. Why? Cause they like want what the world has. Everybody wants to look worldly. I can remember when, when people would come and, and they dress very modestly on television. Now all the women are, are dressing seductively. You understand what I'm saying? It's either too tight, too short, too something. I said, listen, I had dresses like that when I was brand new saved and I took them and gave them to the Goodwill. You understand? As a new believer, I knew better to put something like that on anymore. Hmm? Can't do this stuff and call yourself holy. You got me? You either holy or you ain't. So first Samuel seven. <clears throat> he tells him in verse three, if you return to the Lord with all of your heart. And, and put away the strange gods from among you. Prepare your hearts to the Lord and serve him only. He will deliver you out of the hand of all of your enemies. Now people forget that when the devil is, is coming against them and, and they can't get rid of certain things or get certain things out of their life. So it seems, you know, that, that if they would turn their hearts to the Lord and just serve him, you know, put away any distractions. Shut everything down except your word. Get yourself deep over into the things of God. He will deliver you out of every trouble. You see, you, you gotta get rid of the distraction. You gotta get rid of the worldly, uh, influence and worldly attitude. So the children of Israel did put them away, but they still began to clamor for a king. Amen. They still began to clamor for a king. God always fought their battles for them. He kept the uh, Philistines away from them. In uh, 7 and verse 13, let me drop down there. Let me see. Let me just follow with this. Then for the children of Israel did put away those those idols that they were worshiping and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said this, okay, you've obeyed God. Now gather all of Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. 
You ever had people in your life that every time they're in trouble, they call you for prayer? It's the same thing here. See, somebody has to have a connection to God in order for people to get help. Thank God for Samuel. Or these people would have been toast many times over. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And he cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomforted them. And they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and, and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came to beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Amen. Amen. So the Philistines were subdued and they came no more into the coast of Israel than the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. So here they had a perfect situation. They had all they had to do was obey and serve the Lord and they didn't even have to fight these people. He came to their this the same thing for us. You don't have to go tell nobody off or go, go for bad with nobody, get up in nobody's face or any, I mean, come on now. Your God is so big. All he has to do is cause the, the weather to change on somebody and they get scared. You understand what I'm saying? They just looking at, they're looking for a, a way to get out of challenging you once God comes on the scene. And so it says that the, <clears throat> The Philistines, so the Philistines were subdued. They came no more. I mean, they were scared. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to them. So here you get your rest. God fights for you. I mean, you could just go uh, to the beauty shop for the day. While God is fighting for you, as long as you serve him, you can you can be sitting somewhere in peace as long as you serve God. You don't have to get all you have to do is take your stand. You declare your word. You declare your prayer. You worship God and you thank him continually for being your God. And and see, that's the relationship God wants. He doesn't necessarily want you to have a government so they can dole out things to you. If the government would get out of the way, we could do a whole lot better. Huh? Just let Christians do what God tells them to do, and we can have people fed. We can have people clothed. We can have people do a lot of things. But we like the world. One of the problems in the church is the world's attitude toward money. We got too many people hoarding it and wasting it. And not enough people doing what God wants them to do with it. See, there's no reason the church should have to go beg for food from a secular organization and come and feed God's people. We can eliminate Panera. We can eliminate uh, Pizza Hut. We can eliminate Kroger. We can eliminate a lot of these things. But we've got to go to the world because there are too many people in the church either not giving because they don't trust the people that they're under so they don't come to church anymore. Or we've got preachers that have a whole bunch of money and people don't trust them. 
I'm going to tell you, they don't. You're a millionaire preacher. People don't trust you. Now, you've got some people who will come because they're looking for the same thing you're looking for. Is a million dollars. But I'm talking about the average sinner on the street. He ain't coming. Because he knows a scam when he smells one. Now you can put, you can preach truth, but the way you implement it can be off. Then you see a bunch of other preachers wanting to run to their meetings and be like them so they can be the next million people. And you notice they don't, they don't fellowship with anybody else other than the million people. See, they don't want to see, they want, they want me to come so I can support what they do. But as far as me being friends with them, fellowship with them and say, well, you know, sometime you come to my church, I'll come to your church and we'll, mm -mm, they don't have no time for you. See, that makes us not a body. When you cut off part of the body of Christ from fellowship with you, because they got so many barriers and so many walls up there. See, you betray the Lord's body. God never set it up that way. Never set it up that way. The priesthood lived among the people. And they didn't own anything. Now I know your deed, your name has to be on the deed to your house. So that you can go in there. You understand what I'm saying? But as far as ownership, God has to own everything that you have. It has to be under his authority. You shouldn't take any more than God tells you is okay to take. I don't care how many books you sell. You sold those books because God gave you a name. Had he not given you a name and given you, you selling God's revelation. You singer, you're, you're anointed by God. If you got anything going for you. So we got to be careful, folks. You understand what we got to be real careful because God wants to move among his people, but he has to have people who wholly follow him. I mean, 100 percent. 100 percent. Too much compromise in there pulls you off track. You can't compromise and with the world and pick up the world's taste for things. And have the world's, you know, like be a wolf in sheep's clothing. You're always licking your chops for more. You can't live like that and be a blessing to anybody. And you can't live like that and be a, a good example before God. Billy Graham was respected because he just took a salary from that organization. And they, they got more money than everybody else put together. You see what he does? You see what that ministry does worldwide? They'll go to Moscow and, and rent the biggest venue they got there and don't even blink. They take pay for all the ministry team to go there and don't blink. They got tons of money, but you wouldn't know it because they don't talk about it. They don't flaunt it. He had that little house down there in North Carolina when he could get there. You got me? 
And even with that, they set up a museum on that property. You know, it's just, just mountain property in the Carolinas. Same thing with Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson, those billion billionaires, they always make their budget. Always. But you go down there and you visit CBN, he's got that three-bedroom, two-bath, little brick house built in the 50s on that property. Anybody walking by can see it. Huh? He don't have an airplane. I don't know how he gets around, but he gets around. Do you understand me? He's important to God just like everybody else is important to God. But see, there's a way to be a servant and to honor God, even in your finances. And there's a way not to. See, we don't have to make excuses for people who are not doing things that we, you know, like you, you kind of think about it for, well, you don't have to make excuses for those people. You understand what I'm saying? You can live holy for God yourself, allow them to do what they do, but if you won't do it, it's probably not of God. If you don't see, if you don't have a hunger to do those things yourself, it's probably, if you can go to your little church every Sunday and preach to your handful of people and go visit the sick and go pray for people in the supermarket, they go, hey, I mean, and I'm not saying they don't do that, but there's baggage, excess baggage that we as believers don't need. I usually see those as temptations. You got me? They're not, not fruit necessarily uh from from your serving god those are things you choose to spend money on those are things that you choose to acquire and so my thing is live modestly before god as modestly as possible be be comfortable have what you need have nice things around you have the things that you desire but you don't have to live secular like the world does you don't have to desire the world's goods and say i did my faith got me that you got me see everybody blames everything on faith all of a sudden amen and you know how hard it is to get bills paid with your faith amen and we were all given the same measure so that my faith got me that is not an excuse because you had to direct your faith somewhere for something you understand me? So if you serve God, fear the Lord and serve him only. Amen. Only serve God. That's why God starts to raise up uh, people out of nowhere with messages. You know, this uh, the little fireman who was sick half the time, sick for 10 years and started talking to God and writing down prophecies and they started to come to pass. Uh there's there's prophets out there who would kill for that. You understand what I'm saying? So now all of a sudden now they're trying to take it over like they got the revelation. They can't get it. See, God is God. If you he looks at the heart, if you wholly serve him, he'll go to bat for you. He'll fight for you. He'll do everything. He'll heal you. He'll do everything for you. He'll prosper you and he'll bless you. He'll bless the work of your hands. And so God wants to bless his people, but he wants to be their God, period. No middleman, no in-between man. So God was able to always raise up leaders to take care of his people. So the Philistines were subdued 
Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he was like a circuit preacher. He would just go from one uh, encampment of the people to the next, and everything was fine until they started getting involved. You know, they start building these little altars and serving other gods, and they got influenced by what the people around them did. See, it's a blessing sometimes to keep yourself separated from things that have a, uh, that, that kind of grab onto your heart. Things that you really like in your flesh. It's good to keep yourself separated from those things. And Israel had a hard time doing that. When they would get around, <laughs> get around them people, they start to imitate them. It didn't take them long either. Moses, when he went up to talk to God, you know, he was their first leader. He went up to talk to God and, and the people before he'd get back 40 days. That's all he stayed up there talking to God before he got back. The people were back worship, worshiping. They made a calf out of all them earrings and jewelry they gotten from the, you know, that was God's money to build a temple with. So it don't take us long to find other things to get involved in. See, God's been waiting a long time to get us in the position we're in now. Now, Israel kind of had an excuse because they didn't have the indwelling spirit of God. We got the Holy Spirit living in us and we still can't keep our eyeballs off of what the world has. And so God wants our full attention. He wants us to be his desire and him to be our desire, period. So the people then from looking at at what the world was doing began to ask for a king. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1, it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Well, sons was no good. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes parents just, (laughs) now you can, you use any excuse that you want to, but them boys wasn't no good, okay? And so never should have been judges over nothing. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel. The name of the second was Abia. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after money. They took bribes and perverted judgment. So he did give what he raised up two crooked judges. He put them in seats anyway. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel at Ramah, and they had a, a, a legitimate beef, and said to him, Behold, you're old, and your sons don't walk in our ways, so make us a king to judge over the nations. Amen. Judge us like all the other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us, and Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, just give them what they want. He said, listen to them and give them what they want. And all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me because they don't want me to reign over them. They don't want me anymore. And that's why they're, they're getting, getting mad at you, uh, Samuel. So don't you absorb offense because of it. Oftentimes, a prophet reflects how God feels about things. So if people don't like what God's saying, they have a tendency to turn against God's servants. huh? Like in none other more than prophets. As prophets tend to just see things, you know, as either dirty or it ain't dirty. 
It's either clean. We don't see nothing up the middle. You know, it's get on that side and get off this side and go somewhere and sit down. If you can't do that, <laughs> come back when you can or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? And and prophets can wait a long time for stuff. We don't feel like we're, oh, we just got to do something because we need this and we need that. No, 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 no. If it ain't right, I ain't messing with it. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you have too much fear of God for that. This and, and so Samuel prayed to the Lord and he said, "You, they've rejected me. They don't want me to rule over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out up out of Egypt. And God's like, man, don't get me started on them people, Samuel. Now, since I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, and so do they also to you. It says, now therefore hearken to their voice. Give them what they want. Howbeit yet protest solemnly to them. Now you, you have to cave into this request, Samuel, cause you can't force them to want me. He said, but I want you to talk to them straight up and tell them why they shouldn't make this decision. See, when, when we make decisions in God, he wants us to be well informed why we shouldn't do things and what the consequences will be if we go ahead and do them. That's what people don't want to hear. They want to just think you're a mean person and you did, oh, Pastor Barb don't know how to have no fun. She just, you know, she's always, yeah, yeah, I do, but at what expense? You understand what I'm saying? My fun is like maybe I turn the TV on for about 30 minutes and watch a little something and get bored and turn it back off again. You understand what I'm saying? Or I like bad people on, you know, ID network a little too much. So that's that's exciting enough for me. Food network, I have to turn them off because I'm trying not to eat so much. You understand what I'm saying? See, everything's a temptation. Everything's an evil temptation. So you can't indulge in that kind of stuff too much. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that will reign over you. In other words, if if God gives you a king, you keep asking for it because you see what other people have. I'm going to tell you what it's really going to cost you. And so God breaks it down so that people know fully what to expect and they know exactly what's coming so if they make the decision, they do it with full disclosure. And he said, this will be the manner of the king. He says, he'll take your sons and appoint them for himself and, and for his chariots to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captor, captains over thousands and captains over fifties and will set them to, them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. He will take your fields, your vineyards, your oliveyards, even the best of them and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your seed of your vineyards and give to, and this is expensive stuff, folks. And he will take your men servants. In other words, your liberty and your freedom that you have in serving me will be taken away from you and greatly restricted because you want this person over you instead. And he will take your men servants, your maid servants, your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to work. And he will take the tenth of your sheep and, and, and you shall be his servants. And then you'll cry out in that day. 
God says, I know what you're going to do because I've been through this with y'all before. You will cry out in that day because of your king, which you have chosen, and the Lord will not hear you in that day because you made the choice. Nevertheless, the people refuse. Now, this is crazy. People hate to be wrong. They'd rather be anything than wrong. They'd rather, rather be broke than wrong. They'd rather be uh, living outside. And, you know, it's like people, homeless people. Somewhere down the line, they had a choice where they made either to be wrong, apologize, repent, and stay in the house. Or they didn't want to be wrong and wound up being out somewhere just living on the streets. You got me? And so this is what happens when people have full understanding of what's like sometimes people who are hard to get along with. You'll see sometimes homeless people. They're very skilled people, but they got caught up in drugs or they got caught up in a, a, a lifestyle or they couldn't suffer a divorce because they refused to change and try and get along with their spouse, anything like that. You'll see something down the line where they defied reason or they defined wisdom and decided to go ahead and do what they wanted to do anyway and then they wind up suffering the loss for it and so he says here so nevertheless the people refused to obey the voice of samuel and said no we want a king over us anyway that we may be like all the nations And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. So they're looking at if we get a king, it's going to look like, you know, the Philistines over there, the Ammonites or whoever they're looking at. And see what happens over there is, see, they don't have to get up and go fight because a king goes and hires people and they get an easy life. This is what happens with people in the church. They start to stare at the people in the world. When the world starts to look better to you than the church, you need to repent. Uh, You need to ask God's forgiveness because, you know, we ain't bad people up here in the church. You know, we family. huh? We stick together in the hard times because we family. I don't care who I fall out without in here. I ain't going back out there again. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I, I, I can point out some things to you that are over the top where church leaders and people are concerned, but I don't hate them. I don't shun them. I would, I would like to have more fellowship with them sometimes, but God won't arrange that. <laughs> Maybe because I'd be a bad girl if I got her. But anyway, you understand what I'm saying. And so when the people ask for a king, they're doing it because they are covetous people. They are jealous of what people in the world have. And this always is a snare for God's people. Whenever you look, it's like people who uh, don't come to church. And we got tons of them out there. They, they use, like Samuel, they told, first thing they come to Samuel, well see what, what people do is they make a decision to rebel. So something in them tells them, you don't want to do this anymore, or this ain't for you. And then they make an excuse for it that they want to believe sounds reasonable to people. You know, people who won't go to church. Well, the last place I went, they talked about me. See, you got this church hurt thing. 
and and uh they don't treat you right over there and and they or they ask for too much money well they don't mean you got to give it if you don't have it you can't give it you understand what i'm saying or uh, there's there's no good churches in my area see there's another excuse you got somewhere you can go you understand go to a bad one and pray it into some goodness you understand i mean there's um, when God says don't forsake assembling yourself, he means that. That wasn't just thrown in there so the preachers can have people sitting up in the pews all the time. That's in there for your good. Because God does not operate out from under the authority of the fivefold. You you don't have, you think you are hearing from God and you think you got power, but you don't have nothing. You got a delusion is what you have. Huh? You do. Why would God make an exception in your little rebellious case and give you prophecies and healings and all this kind of stuff and you way out there somewhere you don't even submit to proper authority? Amen. See, anointing belongs to God. It don't belong to man. And that God has a, a hierarchy through which it flows. It flows from the head, which is Christ Jesus. And the Bible says that the government is on his shoulders. The shoulders are the fivefold, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And then the oil runs down the robes of those five. It don't happen no other way. Now, you can be born again. God will save you. But that doesn't mean that he will give his gifts to you. He will give ministry to you because you're not under authority. You're just out there. It's like running around, you're a gifted person, you're wonderful, you're all this kind of stuff, but you ain't plugged in. It's like trying to, to listen to some tapes or something or, or uh, you know, some music on your iPhone and you don't have no battery. So you don't have a power source that you're constantly plugged into to draw from so that you can have power. There's only one source, folks. The anointing, we're all connected into that one source when God anoints you. It ain't coming from different places. You can't just be out there on your own and call yourself anointed. Now, you may have the spirit of God, but the anointing is for the priesthood. If you're not under authority, you ain't no priest. When people saw that, uh, uh, Aaron's sons, they were called by God to do what they did. That priesthood was only on that one family. You saw people, even kings, when they would try to function as priests, God would strike them dead because he let them know, this ain't your job. I didn't call you to do this. And if you can't get under authority somewhere, you don't have any accurate word. You don't have any ministry. The ministry is for the called out believers, for the church. Amen. Those who are under authority. We got enough people sitting up in pews as rebellious. Little witches always trying to pull somebody off in the bathroom and give them a prophecy. So it's bad enough with people who are physically there. See, submission is from the heart. You stay under authority, come hell or high water. You know, when my husband was alive, I tell him, I say, you ain't going nowhere and I ain't either. 
So let's just end this conversation. You know, if it get going too far the wrong way, you ain't going nowhere. And I'm not going anywhere either. So let's get along. You got to make up your mind about those things, folks. I know that wasn't pretty, but it got the job done. You got me? I know it wasn't romantic enough for all of you, right? Grow up. Huh? You let the, the devil get in your loved ones and they start pulling them. They got acting funny and talking funny and pulling the credit cards. Ow! That's alarm. 911. Huh? I know something wrong now. It ain't got crazy. <laughs> I don't give back nothing once you give it. You understand what I'm saying? Folks, you gotta learn how to live here. The devil is trying to separate you from everything that God has given you. The last thing I learned how to be was offended. Huh? Brother, you sure you wanna go there? You sure? And they look confused. You got the job done. You understand what I'm saying? Keep confusion on the devil. They get into your loved ones and tell them all kind of crazy stuff about you. Huh? The elders of Israel rejected God. So they made an authority of themselves. Got me? Instead of staying under Samuel's authority, he was assigned a prophet before the Lord. He kept Israel together. He made offerings and sacrifice. He prayed for them. He did everything for those people. And that was God's system. But they still, even though they were fed, taken care of, clothed, and everything, they wanted something different. It's always the way it is with people. They'll hear some message and, and go off the rails with some kind of off-color message. You understand what I'm saying? Something that's not really centered in truth. Something that they don't really need right now. You know, most people need to understand uh, uh, two or three things. Number one, how to live for God as a forgiven person every day. How to live blood washed every day. How to believe God for the salvation of loved ones and not quit praying until they are worshiping God in church all the time and making progress in God's kingdom. You know, don't settle for this halfway nonsense that, that we see going on here. The devil make a pull for your kids, you pull back. Don't take no for an answer. Learn how to fight for what God wants you to fight for. Don't be like the world. The world is always permissive. Permission will get you to hell. You understand what I'm saying? So you don't let that settle in on you. You learn how to fight. Samuel felt rejected, but God said, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Amen. This is typical with, with prophets. They, you know, they feel everything, but that doesn't mean you have to give in to all of it. Amen. They reject God. They reject what he has to say. People don't want truth. They want to hear what they want to hear sometimes. Even people in the church, people in the church get tired of the truth all the time. They want to hear something that tickles their ears. Hmm? 
So then Samuel, God tells Samuel, get the people what they want, but you warn them what it's going to cost them when they, when they, uh, uh, start to, to let this king rule over them. And we know that Saul was not a king after God's heart, but God had to start then a dynasty of kings to reign over Israel. And he was able to pick some and some he wasn't able to pick. For the most part, they all rebelled against God. Got Israel in trouble, got Israel in bondage, got Israel captive to Babylon twice. Many times these people went into captivity because of the leadership of crazy kings. And so God wants us as his people to understand this. No matter who's over you government-wise, in a secular sense, you still obey God. You still serve God. You don't abandon God and start running after politicians and running after choosing sides and I got, I'm a this and I'm a that. No, you be a Christian, okay? That's your identity. Amen. You're not a black Christian, a white Christian, an Asian Christian. No, you are a Christian, period. And learn how to live in your identity every day. Every day there's a temptation to, to give in to a different identity. But understand who you are and allow God to develop that in you, develop more in you. Amen. So when when Israel chose that king, they realized what they were they would be giving up something. Amen. They really did. The the uh people always have the right and the ability to seek God. Amen. It doesn't matter where your status is. You don't really have a status before God. He determines your status. God will raise up intercessors. He raises up prophets. He raises up spokespeople in, in obscure ways. You don't have to be known by people. You don't have to be on television. You don't have to have uh, a thousand views on Facebook and, and be on there every day just talking. You know, sometimes you look at people and you say, now they look like they really ain't talking about nothing. But I'm not going to judge. So you press that on. And they ain't talking about nothing. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of talk with very little substance there. So you do better just getting off the, put your phone down and go open your Bible. And let God speak to you. Develop relationship with him. Let him talk to you. Some things are there okay, but not everything, folks. You see people that, oh, they got a huge following. See how many likes they got? Yeah, but they don't mean it's got something to it. There's just a lot of people clicking. Huh? That's what clicks do, I guess. They click. All right, so First Samuel 12. where I want to be. I'll start in verse 10. It says, And they cried unto the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served Balaam and Ashtoreth, but now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel and Bedan and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side and you dwelled safely. 
And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the uh, children of Ammon, came against you, you said unto me, No, but a king shall rule over us, and the Lord your God was your king. Now, therefore, behold the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired, and behold, the Lord has set this king over you. But still, if you will fear and serve the Lord, king or no king, God will still come and rescue you and deliver you. I'm, I'm telling you, don't get caught up in politic, political identity, folks. You learn who you are and identify with God. There are good people and not so good people in all walks of life. But I'm telling you, the religious spirit and the political spirit are the same spirit. That's why it's dangerous for the church. One of them just works in the world and the other one works among church people. You notice religious spirits use uh, words like blessed, uh, you know, they, they got all the words that we use, but there's no substance there. There's no evidence that God is working among them. In politics, it's, it's political correctness. And so that devil wants to reel everybody into that mindset so that it forbids you to use certain terms. It gets control over you so that you speak a certain way, you think a certain way. It's very regimented and very uh, military-like in the way that it dominates over people. When you get around people, you can't call uh, people, you can't even joke with people anymore. You have to watch your words. It's almost like being uh, in a police state somewhere that you have to be so careful. And if you use the wrong term or say the wrong word, they'll take you to court, strip your job away from you, make you uh, retire early or fire you or whatever that is. So there's a great punishment out there on the political side and the religious side. And the religious side, if you don't talk faith, people think you're not worth talking to. You understand the little faith jargons we used to say, oh, watch your confession. You can't say this. You can't say that. When you talk to God, you say anything you want to to him. You understand what I'm saying? You can say you're sick if you feel sick. Now, if you know you're healed, then don't confess that. You understand what I'm saying? But, but get there. You don't, you're, this isn't something people make you do because under threat of what? Just intimidation. And so God will listen to us and hear and answer every single prayer. But we have to understand that, that we have to obey and serve him fully. You can't get caught up in this, the religious people on one side and the, the political people on the other side. And they're pulling at you, trying to get you to make up your mind to join one side or the other. You can stay under God. You don't have to go either way. You understand what I'm saying? And you can support people who are doing well. You can pray for them and encourage them, but realize who you are and where your strength is. When when Israel put themselves under the authority of the king, it cost them dearly. It cost them their children in servitude. It cost them their possessions. It cost them a whole lot more than just letting Samuel pray for them and let God minister through the judges and through the elders. And so God wants to give us back this power and this authority to rule over our lives the way he wants us to. Amen. You don't have to be identified with some kind of party. You don't have to uh, be afraid to tell somebody, no, I didn't vote for him. 
you know, or her or whatever it is. I, you know what I'm saying? I, in, if it's your business, you see? And so many times we get involved in these things where we didn't used to share this kind of information. Why? Because the devil's gotten into it now. He's into it big time, bigger than he's ever been. And he wants to catch up God's people in it so that we lose our identity as Christians. You are a Christian 100% of the time. You're a Christian because God is your God and you can go to him with whatever the need is. You got me? And you don't have to get on there and, and down somebody and up somebody and all this kind of stuff. You can just stay in the place where God has you. Because God wants us to be his people and his examples in the earth. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for giving us understanding of our identity. And if we will serve you only and obey you only and not rebel against you because of wrong identity, identity politics or denominational political things or any of that nature, Father, we can just serve you freely. And our, 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 uh, challenge really is to stay in that freedom. We're not to let go of the liberty that you placed upon us, Lord. You have set us free. And we're not to be entangled with the yoke of bondage again. We're not to be entangled with the world. We don't want to look like the world. We don't want to act like the world. We want to be your children. So we thank you, Lord, for putting us in the ark of safety where we can have fellowship with you. We can have the freedom and joy of living for the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we will remain free in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs-